Good morning, everybody. This is Patrick Donahoe. Today is March 11th. Thank you for uh, downloading our podcast. Uh, we have some exciting stuff to uh, to share with you today. I'm joined by my partner, Marv Curtis. Marv, how's it going? Good, Patrick. How are you? I'm doing. I'm doing well. Uh, for those of you who listened last week, we uh, we kind of got into the Medicare and the FICA and the Social Security tax and Social Security in general, and hope you guys uh, enjoyed that. Uh, for information about our company, we do have an article that explains a little bit about what our objective is. You can uh, email us at info at theinvestorsparadigm.com. That's info at theinvestorsparadigm.com. Dot com And so Paradigm is spelled P-A-R-A-D-I-G-M. Also, you can give us a call at 800-870-8905. We do have a, a process that we take clients through. And uh, for information on that process and how to get involved, uh, you can also contact us at that same phone number and same email address. And we'll, uh, we'll give those throughout the, uh, throughout the podcast. So a lot going on in our world today. We have uh, an extremely volatile market. We have a crazy economy. We're, we're trying to, to get out of a funk uh, that we've been in for, for over a year now. And uh, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are, are wanting to know exactly what's going on. Why is it going on? Uh, they're looking at their life savings and seeing it diminish. And there's a lot of questions going through people's head. And I think that there's a variety of answers that are often given to these individuals. Uh, I know I, I remember seeing different TV programs, and uh, they were they were videotaping you know stockbrokers or fund managers, uh, and just you know looking at them making calls. And it was basically saying, oh, the markets are going to come back. Your funds are going to come back. Your savings are going to, you know, obviously they're not going to say, oh, you're screwed, you know, all your money's gone, sorry. You know, so it's it, it's interesting. From their perspective, yeah, the markets are going to come back. You know, the, the hopefully uh, the losses, the 30 and the 40 and the 50% losses are going to eventually come back. But there's uh, there's not a guarantee for that. I'm hoping that it does because obviously it impacts a lot of different sectors of the economy and it affects ours as well. Um, but Marv, how, you know, you've, you've seen different downturns in the economies in the past, uh, you know, several several decades. Not to, you know, not to let everybody know your, your age, but you've seen <laughs> You're very intelligent. You know kind of what how business cycles have worked. Um, normally, things do come back. There's some dips, and then there's you know there's some corrections, and then there's a there's an upswing as well. Sure, the market will come back. That is the nature of these kinds of economic cycles. When you go to the worst case scenario that anyone really remembers in our lifetime is, or at least not yours, but many people who will be listening, <laughs> sure. would be the depression. You 19, know, there yeah. were people during that time who thought, "This is how can it ever recover?" Yeah. But it did recover, <clears throat> and it grew, and it and it uh, and th- time went on. Yep. Uh, people had recovery. Yep. The problem uh, isn't whether over the cycle of an economic uh, downturn it's going to come back. It's what happened to your assets and your valuations during that period of time. How fast does it come back? What did it cost you in the meantime? What happens if you're retired and you're living on returns from that right now? I mean, it, it, the, the, the long cycle, great. We feel pretty good about it. The short-term cycle is very unpredictable. Absolutely. And that's really the uncertainty in the market that's causing so much concern today. And there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of emotion that comes along with that as well. And I, I think that that has a lot to do with you know, consumer individual habits. When you see your savings reduced by 50%, you, you stop buying. You start saving. You stop going on vacation. You stop. You know. You, you pretty much slim down to the necessities of life, and that obviously impacts other other areas of the economy as well, huh? Absolutely. Yeah. And we see that today. Many, even with businesses, and this is an interesting phenomenon. Take banks, for example. In this economy, even banks are saving their money. Yeah, that's crazy. They're not loaning it. <laughs> They're waiting to see what's going to happen. They're looking for certainty to know what to do next. And obviously, we see a lot of layoffs. You know, we had. Uh, 650,000 
50,000 people laid off in the in the month of February. Um, you know, we see a lot of companies cutting back. And also, you know, I've read a lot of articles where some of the biggest companies have stopped matching 401ks or matching retirement plans, which has also discouraged a lot of individuals because here, you know, they lose 50% of their savings and then the match that they received from their employees completely, uh, employer is completely gone. Sure. And so consumer behavior, whether you're talking about the consumer as a business or the consumer as an individual, lags the reality. So this problem that we're facing started over a year ago, but most people didn't really change their habits or start changing their habits for, in many cases, a year or more. Uh, same thing will be true when the recovery comes. Yeah. When when the market starts to turn around, people will be so conditioned in their current mode of thought mm-hmm. that they will not begin to participate until they until everyone moves together. And yeah. so most of the average people out there are going to miss both the benefit to get out early enough or to get in early enough. Yeah. And that's part of the problem of market timing if you are invested in this market. Yeah, looking at the depression, I mean, if World War II didn't happen, think of how long the depression could have lasted. Because again, you had some big, huge downturn in the economy, and it was so drastic that it kind of had a ripple effect through that decade, sure. right? And just the mentality of you know living in poverty, and you know it's uh, it lasted for quite a while because of the fear factor. Well, that's true, and and that isn't to try and associate it with our current situation. No, no, that no, it, no. It, You know, we're a much more robust and interrelated economy worldwide. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we're going to need a war to get us out of this. That's really no. not the point of this. <laughs> Hopefully, but <clears throat> but I think it does say what's the alternative? Yep. If is there any way to hedge against these kinds of events changing your lifestyle so dramatically that you're really paralyzed? Mm-hmm. What options are there other than the traditional? qualified plans. Yeah, because most people don't think that there are options. You know, I was uh, I was talking to uh, an individual that I know that, you know, uh, that, that's a business affiliate of ours, and uh, she works for Aflac, and they have, you know, accounts everywhere. I mean, they have accounts throughout Idaho and Utah and and, uh, and Colorado and you know throughout the West and uh, and she's really on this on this kick and it's 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 great to see because you know most individuals don't know that there is an alternative so she goes to these companies and uh, she was actually speaking to a city official um, you know a, a couple of days ago and talking about the retirement plan and the city official the head of city official didn't understand how a 401k worked. This was like the city. This manager. is like the manager. And so think you know mo- most individuals just don't one they don't understand the plan that they're in. And two, they don't understand that there are alternatives or or supplements or things to use in conjunction with the qualified plan. So we, we need to make sure that individuals know that there is uh, an option. You know, there are alternatives to the traditional retirement plan. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, that today. I know we've hinted at that in the last uh, couple of shows that we've done. Now we're going to you know hit the hit the ball. Uh, out of the park, hopefully, with with the alternative, how the alternative works, you know, and I'm sure it'll take a couple of a uh, couple of podcasts to do this. So let's let's kind of uh, let's kind of get into that. You know, the the money that people make, you earned it. You know, you've got your degree, you worked a long time for it, you earned the money that you received. Now, obviously, the the purpose of a retirement plan is de- to defer the compensation that you receive right now to some future time in which you're going to utilize it for retirement, right, or for your for your golden years, right? This is your money. Now, when you put when you take this money, right, which is you know which is very valuable to you because it's your blood, sweat, and tears, right? When you take this money and put it into a vehicle that supposedly is supposed to be safe, secure, earn interest, and so forth, and be you know be there when you need it, you know, in like the most people's typical. 
typical retirement. So plan. like the retirement plan, right? You you uh, you value that money, but you're giving it to somebody that didn't necessarily earn that money. You're giving it to a fund manager or a mutual fund or a slew of different of different companies, right? Now looking at the idea of control, when you give that money, Marv, to uh, a mutual fund or give that money to a security to a fund manager, what type of control do you have over that money? Not only do I have no control other than to say, give it back. <laughs> But that person is going to be compensated on my on my, on the use of my money, whether he makes money or not. That's a it. huge. That's a huge point. So even if he loses your money or loses a percentage of your money, he's still going to make money. That's exactly right. Wow. Okay. He's going to take a management fee on all of the funds that are under his control, whether he wins or loses. Interesting. That's a big problem. I think that's a conflict of interest. Yeah. You know. As I kind of was preparing for this, I thought back over uh, the last many years about things where I've made money and places where I've lost money. Mm -hmm. And uniformly, the places where I've made money are the places where I had the most direct personal control. The places where I've lost money are the places where I gave up the most control. Yeah. So along with you know along with giving your money to this manager, you you brought up a point where I, I kind of wanted to go a little bit more into detail. If you ask for that money back, not only do they penalize you for that, you have to pay income taxes on that. That's right. Right, and there's also some state, some in, depending on the state that you're in, there's some state penalties. So you have to pay. If you you put twelve thousand dollars into your four hundred one k in a given year, right, and you want some of that money back, they're going to charge you twelve hundred bucks for that money back. Plus, you're going to have to report whatever that distribution was on your income taxes. That's right. And in, in fact, if <clears throat> if I were to start life over again and I and I did not have any sense of ethics about me, I would want to be a mutual fund manager. <laughs> oh, you know, it's just you make money no matter what happens. Yeah. Win, lose, or draw, yeah. you make money off the client. And in fact, over historically, the places that have made the most money on mutual funds are the people who run them, not the people who have invested in them. I, I was reading an article about the Harvard Endowment Fund, and I think it lost like 34% last last year in 2008. And the fund managers made, you know, a what's it, so six, seven, eight figure income. How do you like that? <laughs> oh my gosh! I mean, there's something fundamentally wrong with that picture. Yeah. <laughs> now that's a good example, though. Yeah. They running their own business sure. of mutual fund they, great, made plenty of money. Business. They had total control. They might have lost their job, but That's you right. know they had fifty million dollars. So I think that it's important for us to make a really clear distinction. Although we we kind of get negative on these kinds of funds and securities sure. and and qualified plans like four hundred one ks that invest in them. Mm -hmm. They are really great investments if they are your business. Sure, absolutely. If your business is mutual funds, it's a great business. It just doesn't happen to be great for the investor. <laughs> and because of the restrictions as to how much money you can put in a 401k, mutual fund managers are not putting money in a 401k. There's a, I remember there's a guy that we talked with a while back, and he was in New York, uh, and he, he did a lot of life insurance for uh, Goldman Goldman Sachs fund managers, like just hundreds of millions of dollars into life insurance. But anyway, that's that's besides the point. But so let's uh, let's let's kind of talk about the the alternative. I think that once you recognize this is your money, you controlled the means by which you earned your money, and then once you have it, you give up all the control that you once had. Right, you put it with somebody that who knows what it's going to do. We've we've seen that retirement plans are extremely susceptible to loss. Right, they are exposed. They're they're naked in the wind, and it's cold wind. <laughs> it is today. 
<laughs> that's that's true. So let's let's kind of look at okay, how how do you get better control over the money? Now we've we talked a lot about economics. We talked a lot about macroeconomics. Now I kind of like to look at it as you know microeconomics versus macroeconomics. You're like a blinders on horses, right? So you have you put blinders on horses, and they can only see in one direction. They can't see in their periphery. But if you have macroeconomics, you're able to see absolutely everything, right? So microeconomically, people look at their return in their 401k and say, oh, great, my, you know, I earn 10% in my, in, in my fund, right? But if you look at macroeconomically, okay, what did it cost you to earn that 10%, right? And we've talked a lot about inflation. We've talked a lot about taxes. This is one thing going back to the city manager. He, he didn't know the tax implications of pulling money out in a 401k. He thought it was tax-free. Right, it is not tax-free. Right, when you pull pull money out of your 401k, you are going to pay income tax on every single dollar that you pull out. Now, right now, and I'm I'm not actually sure about this. Now, when a retiree pulls money out of a 401k, do they have to pay FICA and Medicare? No, no. Okay, that's right. That's what I thought, but wasn't sure. Could that change? <laughs> well, <laughs> anything can change. Anything can change. All right, so it is susceptible to to change. All right, so you know, basically, when you pull money out of that fund, you're uh, you're taxed. But when when do people typically pull money out of a four hundred one k? It's it's around sixty years old. Sure, when they right. retire. You got it. So right now, for individuals that are 30, 40, 50 years old, that's you know a couple of decades until they're able to touch that money. So macroeconomically, okay, what is it going to cost you to be able to pull out your contribution in thirty years? And what will it be? worth and what will be and what rate of tax are you going to be paying on it exactly right so we see there we've talked a lot about the eroding factors of money and what that money will be worth 20 30 40 years uh, down the road when you're pulling it out whether tax rates are going to be how much you know what what the inflation rate is going to be in those 30 years which will determine the value of the money at that period of time right so we've gone we've gone through all of that so how do we, how do we kind of avoid that how do we look at the supplementary or the alternative retirement plan that gives you more control well, as you know, there is only one alternative that provides the solutions to safety, rate of return, um, tax benefits, and so forth, and that's insurance. Yep. There is a lot of misunderstanding about insurance, and there's a lot of misuse of insurance for the purposes that we're trying to talk about. Now, if you're talking about pure insurance, which is just the death benefit that somebody's looking for, you've got lots of options. But if you're looking to use if you're looking for a great retirement alternative, there are ways to use the, the built-in benefits of insurance to create, without a doubt, the best alternative for retirement planning that exists on the planet. So, and and we kind of, we, and a lot of life insurance agents use this as, in my opinion, a deceptive tactic. Because they, life insurance that are selling expensive policies or what I consider uh, inefficient policies, um, they're saying, hey, banks and corporations buy all of this insurance. They buy, you know, they buy whole life, they buy universal life, they buy all of this insurance, but they don't tell them why they buy the insurance. They say, okay, this is, they buy insurance, therefore, you should buy insurance. Banks are smart, relatively speaking. Corporations are smart, relatively speaking. They're doing this. Why don't you do that, right? But when banks buy insurance, they buy it for various reasons, right? And they try to take advantage of 
all the characteristics that life insurance has has provided, right? So let's kind of talk about that. First off, when a, when a company or a bank purchases a life insurance policy on their employee in which they're the beneficiary, they're the owner, which means they're able to use all the cash value and they receive the death benefit when the employee dies. Let's talk about the characteristics of that policy. So let's say they put a million dollars into this policy, okay? What does that million dollars do? Okay, one, that million dollars shows up in immediate cash value. So they put a million in, now they have a million dollars in cash value. They also have, let's and, say... And cash value is money that is available to them to use absolutely. through a loan, mm -hmm. or which if they surrendered the policy, would be given back to them by the insurance company. Absolutely, right? So they would... They, yeah, so that's, that's cash surrender value. Usable, liquid money, right? Million dollars in, available million dollars to use, okay? Now, also what comes along with that is a death benefit, right? Now, that death benefit is paid to the beneficiary of the policy upon the death of the insured. Mm -hmm. Now, they could die 20, 30, 40 years in the future, but at that future date, the individual is going to be able to, you know, not the individual, but the bank or the corporation is going to be able to utilize uh, that that death benefit. So, it's a great, it's a great, great leverage point, right? They pay a million, they get a million, and we're going to talk about what that million dollars in cash value does, but they pay a million, get a million, and then they get this huge death benefit down the road. <laughs> now, here's the question that you have to ask yourself, and it's the same one that the banks use. And this distinguishes the kind of insurance we're talking about from all others. Mm -hmm. If there were no death benefit associated with what we're talking about, would you still buy the policy? Would it still make sense to you? Absolutely. And that's the difference. Yeah. Most of the policies that we see people owning today, that is not true. They're buying it solely for the death benefit, mm -hmm. and they're not getting the advantage of all the other opportunities because yeah. they're structured differently. They're not efficiently structured for retirement. And so what we're telling you is we have a policy program, which we call a, a private bank, that allows you to have so much benefit from putting this plan together that even if there were no death benefit at all, it would still make excellent economic and business sense to employ this strategy. Yep. So let's look at let's look at our financial plan. So our private plan, our banking banking policy. Let's talk about the characteristics of cash value, right? So as cash value is inside of these insurance policies, there's a principal protection guarantee, meaning million dollars is 100% protected. They can't lose. They can't lose the million dollars unless the insurance company goes bankrupt. But then they have reinsurance companies that insure the insurers. It's it's crazy. It's it's crazy how life insurance companies work. But you know we we've said it in past shows that life insurance companies uh, there's been a, a there's been a handful of companies that have gone bankrupt, but there's never been a policy that has not lost money that uh, that has lost money or not paid a death claim. So it's safe. It's safe. Very. The safe. The guarantee that you get in a life insurance policy is as good a guarantee as you're going to get in this world. Absolutely. So basically now now looking at the principal being protected, I'm sure a lot of people would have been stoked if a 401k had that provision, but it obviously doesn't. Sure, wouldn't it be nice to know that no matter what, you're not going to lose value on your principal. Absolutely. Now let's talk about the interest crediting. Now with whole life insurance, right, you have the potential to earn a dividend. Now typically the dividend is uh, it, it's basically the, the profit uh, a life insurance company receives in a given year from their investment ventures. Also if they, you know, planned on paying out a certain amount of death benefit and were, uh, you know, were, were they over they uh, overestimated the amount of death benefit they had to pay, they'll take that money and they'll distribute it amongst their policy owners, right? And that interest 
is has some tax benefits as well, right? For for corporations, sometimes it's tax free, sometimes it's tax deferred, depending on the type of life insurance policy. The policies we sell, 100% tax free growth. Okay. For the individuals. For the individuals. Okay. So basically, money inside of the policy, this million dollars that the bank has, they're going to earn interest on that money. And you know the average dividend is you know six percent. Sometimes banks put money into uh, you know policies that have more of an upside that's associated with an index or another type of fund, and they and they might make you know six, seven, eight percent, right? But they're earning interest inside this policy. So not only have they principal guarantee, principal protection. Right? They have an upside of earning interest. Now, most of these policies have guaranteed interest, which means regardless of the investment ventures of the insurance company, regardless of what their dividend is, you're going to get a guaranteed rate of return. And those rates of return range from 1% to, to 4%. I've, I've even seen as high as, as 5%. Right? So that's a decent, a decent interest rate. Right? Your principal is protected, and you have you know, an upside of a dividend right? or a bonus, but also you have a guaranteed interest rate. Okay. Now that's good, and that's good enough by itself. But add to it these two things, and it's killer. The first is you're getting a death benefit virtually for free yep. in the bargain, yep. number one. Number two, you're now going to have access to that money, your cash value, to use in your own business. Now I want to make a distinction here. Many people may be thinking, well, you're saying you want control over, over your money. Aren't you giving up control of the money when you give it to the insurance company? And in most insurance policies, that would be true. Yeah. But in a high cash value insurance policy, that money is right there available for you to use in your own business, which is your private bank inside this policy. And that's where we regain control of this asset, but we've layered on top of it these guarantees of no loss of principal, a guaranteed minimum interest rate of return, plus all of the terrific tax advantages yeah. that come with insurance. So let's let's match that up against a 401k. So a dollar that goes into a 401k, that dollar goes to a fund manager who you know dictates where that money goes. It goes to a mutual a mutual fund. It doesn't have a death benefit. Doesn't have principal guarantees. What else doesn't it have? Doesn't have liquidity, mm -hmm. right? It can go up and down as as easy. You know, it can go down as easily as it can go up. Right, and then you can't really access it until some future point in time, 10, 20, 30 years down the road. Right. Okay. Now let's look at a dollar going into a life insurance policy. So a dollar that goes into a life insurance policy, you're going to have a dollar in cash value. And look at the policies that we structure at at uh, you know going into the future and contributing to this plan. You could put a dollar into the policy, and you will have three dollars in guaranteed cash value. Right. So you've kind of tripled tripled your money. Now I'm not going to get into the. It's almost like matching. It's like, <laughs> yeah, almost. <laughs> right. So it's you know it, you look at the schedule of cash value and yeah there's going to be a time in the policy where you put a dollar in you get three dollars in cash value for right? every every additional dollar for every additional dollar that you put in right you also have um you have a death benefit that comes along with it which hands down is the most efficient way to transfer wealth right um you also and have when you say transfer wealth you're talking about transferring wealth without suffering the uh, the government's hand dipping into your pocket. Yeah, with life insurance, it circumvents probate, doesn't go to probate courts, it goes right to the beneficiary. And you can structure the policy so that there's absolutely no taxes paid, no estate tax, no death tax. Right now, it's obviously more complications to it, but you know that's that's the uh, you know purpose of our curriculum is to explain to individuals, okay, 
you're, you're unique and you're unique to every other individual that we deal with. Here's how to structure a plan, um, you know, unique to you or specific to you, right? And that's, and that's what we go through in our curriculum, right? So for, so for those of you who would like to speak with us in regards to that, uh, you know, we'll give our contact information at the end of the podcast. So let's, you know, a dollar going into a, a life insurance policy, the high cash value max funded life insurance policies, it does multiple things. Right, it basically takes the money that you earned. Right, it's your degree, your education, your blood, sweat, and tears earned this dollar. Now you're going to put it into a vehicle, right, that has all of these different benefits. We haven't even talked about the use of the cash value, which we're going to get to in just a second. But you have all these different benefits associated with that dollar. That dollar becomes guaranteed cash value. That dollar has the potential to earn a dividend. That dollar has a guaranteed interest rate. That dollar comes along with the death benefit, right? So you have all these different benefits that come along with the dollar. The dollar kind of multiplies itself. Now, there are people out there who are thinking, all right, so I've got this money in here. I've got all these benefits, and I now have my own private business, which is my private bank. But what do I do with the money? Don't I have to invest this? Yep. So let's and, and aren't I right back where I started? Don't I have to put that into a mutual fund? Where am I going to put it? Absolutely not. You know, so again, going back to, to control, right? You want to take the money that's completely liquid inside of this high cash value private bank or private retirement fund, and you want to make it productive. Right? You want to have as much control as possible. So let's kind of talk about the very elementary strategy as far as the control factor. Right. So again, going back to microeconomics versus macro, your blinders on, your blinders off. Right. So blinders on, your your money is earning interest inside of this inside of this private plan. And let's say it's earning, you know, a six percent interest. And this could be in your 401k as well. Most individuals today do not properly manage their finances, and unfortunately, they have a lot of debt, right? And they finance pretty much everything. This is kind of like the, you know, it's it's uh, the American it's, it's way. The Ameri- it's the American way, right? You want it right now at whatever cost, <laughs> right? And a lot of companies prey on this: the zero percent interest, you know, the six months no interest, six months no payments, twelve. You know, they they kind of get you into these things, thinking that there's going to be some free lunch, which there's ultimately not, right? So basically. Interest expense is a huge factor that erodes the gains of anybody's financial plan, right? And we give the we give the uh, an analysis of a fifty thousand dollar retirement plan, four hundred one k, that's earning ten percent a year. And wouldn't you like to be on the earning side of that interest game, like the banks? Absolutely, because ba- yeah, because yeah, and that's and that's the beauty of that's this. The beauty. Is this is your private bank, and so what are you going to do? You're going to do what banks do. You're going to loan the money. Now, if you had to loan this money out, who's the one person that you could loan it to that you would have the most confidence would care about the money as much as you do? That's a good point. It would be you, obviously. It would be you. Yeah, you're going to loan the money to yourself. How do you do that? Mm-hmm. So basically, you know, and and the common ways in which you're going to loan it to yourself. Let's just look at vehicles, right? Most people finance vehicles these days like cars like trucks like cars rvs trucks motorcycles you know etc you go to a typically you go to a bank you get a loan and you pay the bank interest and payments on a monthly basis so xing those financial institutions out of the out of the equation let's look at your own private bank and lending money to yourself so you would take whatever the car costs let's say it costs twenty thousand dollars you take twenty thousand dollars out of your private bank your private retirement account and you would set up a payment plan at the interest you were willing to pay to this financial institution let's say for twenty thousand dollars it was six you know five hundred dollars a month you would set up a payment plan that every single month money would be withdrawn from your checking account and it would go to your private bank. So you're paying yourself. You're paying yourself Back interest. Back the principal and the interest. You got it. 
right? And doing that, you're, it's a, you know, a couple of things are happening, okay? First thing is happening is you're avoiding any interest that you were going to pay to this bank, right? And you're recouping that cost, right? And macroeconomically, that's a, that erodes from your total gain of your total, you know, your personal economy, right? So you, you kind of eliminate that from, uh, eliminate that from the equation, eliminate that interest expense. So if you've avoided an 8% interest cost, what is your rate of return? 8%. 8%. And if, let's say, you were borrowing money at 12% and you now avoid that interest cost to someone else because you're paying it to yourself, mm-hmm. what is your rate of return? 12%. Wouldn't you like to have a rate of return of 12% on your money yeah. from someone who is as reliable a borrower as you are? Yeah. And here's and here's the thing. Because of all this interest you're avoiding, you're going to be much further ahead than if you did things the traditional way, financed everything yourself, and did the cookie-cutter retirement plan. What about credit card debt that you might be paying an average of 18% on? Yeah, I mean, and the average credit card balance these days is over $10,000. And 18% on $10,000, that's a lot of money. So if we used our private banking money to finance what we would have been financing through credit cards at 18%, what is our effective rate of return on that money? 18, I mean, eight, that's 18%. A huge, that's, that's a, a huge, great rate of return. It isn't. Yeah. And so now looking at what people use credit cards for, yeah, there are the... There are the individuals that are, you know, using credit cards for everything. But then you have individuals that, you know, use it for emergencies. They might have had their washer and dryer break, or they might have had a plumbing problem, or, or they their might have children had, might have needed. Or a they lung. needed braces, or they had some medical deductible that they needed. You know, whatever the case may be, they might have used credit cards for those necessary purposes. But if you understand the principles of banking and you're able to have this liquid private banking retirement plan, then you can obviously finance whatever the credit cards were going to be used for. So let's just kind of review here. Initially, we said we don't want to talk about any kind of an insurance product that doesn't make sense if the death benefit were eliminated. Mm -hmm. And so we decided if all we did was take the money and put it in a high cash value policy and didn't do anything else, Mm -hmm. it would still be a wise economic decision, especially compared to what we see in the market today. Absolutely. But now you're saying if we take that money that is accumulating inside the policy and which we can continue to accumulate tax-free and we operate it like our own bank and we loan it essentially to ourselves to avoid the financing that we're currently uh, paying on other things in our lives, we've added that additional benefit of of revenue gain, and we're making 8, 10, 12, maybe as high as 18% on our money through avoiding having to pay that on other things we finance. You got it. This is a good deal. Yeah, and, and again, this is not the life insurance in a vacuum question. This isn't the you know, you, you look at life insurance for what it is. This is utilizing life insurance as a tool and utilizing the inherent benefits that it has tax-wise because no other vehicle has the same tax benefits as life insurance. And that's why we use the life insurance just because it is, you know, it's a, it's a legal laundering system. So the death benefit is really just a bonus. Yeah. <laughs> it's just something you throw in on top. Yep. So this is, you know, this is for the average family. The individuals that are that may not be sophisticated in investing or real estate investing or business ownership, right? And this is great for them. However, this is also perfectly relevant to the entrepreneur, to the sophisticated investor. And I know that there are a lot of people that listen to our podcast that are in this, you know, in this category. So you're saying that after they've taken care of their personal debt, they would now use this money inside their personal bank to finance their business assets. Absolutely. 
unbelievable. Instead of using using a uh, traditional bank, and you're able to recoup that cost, and also you have some of the tax benefits that comes along with borrowing. And you've sheltered it all from tax. Absolutely. So this is just another piece to an investing puzzle. So if let's say you have a successful real estate investor, or let's say you have a, you know a successful business owner, this is a great way to. Add one additional step to your process, but be all the more profitable because what you're doing is you're you're adding death benefits, you're adding cash value, and again, it's you know you're avoiding you're avoiding interest, right? But also, if you look at how cash value generates inside of an insurance policy, once you get it to a certain point, it's a cash cow. It really is. It just throws off money. Yeah, it's inc- it's incredible to look at dividends and and what's cool is that you know life insurance companies are really uh, really um, what's the word I'm looking for uh, con- conventional. Or- what am I looking for? I can't remember. Um, smart. Smart. <laughs> I don't know. Man, where you're I going just with totally had that. a brain fart. What is uh, conservative? There we go. I'll erase that last bit. Conservative. <laughs> They're really conservative in their investing, right? And they they spec not in their investing in their portraying of uh, you know life insurance cash value and and dividends. And so typically on a whole life insurance policy, you know they're not saying okay we're going to earn eight percent a year or nine percent a year. You know the typical illustrations show five percent a year right in dividends and looking at how much cash that generates throughout the lifetime of the policy is pretty profound. Very but the first you know the first you know the first years of a policy are really the most important. So implementing the banking strategy as soon as possible is uh, is within an individual's benefit and also when they have um, you know all of these different ways in which they can offset opportunity costs with interest and so forth you know there's there's no better time to start than right now so for a person who's either looking to protect their human life interest with insurance mm-hmm. or somebody who's just looking for an alternative uh, for their retirement funds they really need to look at this as an alternative as they compare it to whatever else they're doing before they make a decision, shouldn't they? Absolutely. Right. Well, we, uh, we would encourage them to give us a call and let us do an example for you and show you a mock-up of how this could be different for you. Yep. We, I mean, I think that one of our one of our fortes is we, we think that, and we've seen, we've experienced this by ourselves, we've seen people make uneducated decisions when it's come to their financing. It's based on, you know, expectations or is based on, you know, the herd effect. Everybody else is investing here, so I probably should as well, without really understanding what the implications of that investment is. And so we're really big on education. We're really big on, okay, this is how it works. This is why it benefits you. And ultimately, the decision is going to be yours. And we hope that you, throughout all of our educational curriculum, make an educated decision. Right. And that's and that's kind of the that's the bottom line. So for those of you who are who are interested uh, in meeting with us or more information, whether it's our article or past webinars that we've done, we have a lot of different resources uh, that we can mail out to you. Please give us a call at 800-870-8905. Or you can just simply email us at info at theinvestorsparadigm.com. So again, that's 800-870-8905 and info at theinvestorsparadigm.com. And paradigm spelled P-A-R-A-P-A-R-A-D-I-G-M. All right, everybody. Thanks uh, thanks for listening this week. Uh, next week, we'll be back with some juicy information about how you can survive this tumultuous economy. This is Patrick Donahoe and Marv Curtis. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you later. That took us a while to get to the point, but it was good. Yeah. Good morning, everybody. This is Patrick Donahoe. Today is March 11th. Thank you for uh, downloading our podcast. Uh, we have some exciting stuff to uh, to share with you today. I'm joined by my partner, Marv Curtis. Marv, how's it going? Good, Patrick. How are you? I'm doing. I'm doing well. 
for those of you who listened last week, we uh, we kind of got into the Medicare and the FICA and the Social Security tax and Social Security in general, and hope you guys uh, enjoyed that. Uh, for information about our company, we do have an article that explains a little bit about what our objective is. You can uh, email us at info at theinvestorsparadigm.com. That's info at theinvestorsparadigm.com. And so paradigm is spelled P-A-R-A-D-I-G-M. Also, you can give us a call at 800-870-8905. We do have a a process that we take clients through. And uh, for information on that process and how to get involved, uh, you can also contact us at that same phone number and same email address. And we'll uh, we'll give those throughout uh, throughout the podcast. So, a lot going on in our world today. We have uh, an extremely volatile market. We have a crazy economy. We're, we're trying to, to get out of a funk uh, that we've been in for, for over a year now. And uh, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are, are wanting to know exactly what's going on. Why is it going on? Uh, they're looking at their life savings and seeing it diminish. And there's a lot of questions going through people's head. And I think that there's a variety of answers that are often given to these individuals. Uh, I know I, I remember seeing different TV programs, and uh, they were they were videotaping you know stockbrokers or fund managers, uh, and just you know looking at them making calls. And it was basically saying, oh, the markets are going to come back. Your funds are going to come back. Your savings are going to, you know, obviously they're not going to say, oh, you're screwed, you know, all your money's gone, sorry. You know, so it's it, it's interesting. From their perspective, yeah, the markets are going to come back. You know, the, the hopefully uh, the losses, the 30 and the 40 and the 50% losses are going to eventually come back. But there's uh, there's not a guarantee for that. I'm hoping that it does because obviously it impacts a lot of different sectors of the economy and it affects ours as well. Um, but Marv, how, you know, you've, you've seen different downturns in the economies in the past, uh, you know, several several decades not to you know, not to let everybody know your your age, but you've, you you're very intelligent. You know kind of what how business cycles have worked. Um, normally things do come back. There's some dips, and then there's you know there's some corrections, and then there's a there's an upswing as well. Sure, the market will come back. That is the nature of these kinds of economic cycles. When you go to the worst case scenario that anyone really remembers in our lifetime is, or at least not yours, but many people who will be listening, <laughs> sure. would be the depression. You 19, know, there yeah. were people during that time who thought, "This is how can it ever recover? Yeah. But it did recover, <clears throat> and it grew, and it, and it, uh, and th- time went on, yep. uh, people had recovery. Yep. The problem uh, isn't whether over the cycle of an economic uh, downturn it's going to come back. It's what happened to your assets and your valuations during that period of time. How fast does it come back? What did it cost you in the meantime? What happens if you're retired and you're living on returns from that right now? I mean, it, it, the, the, the long cycle, great. We feel pretty good about it. The short-term cycle is very unpredictable. Absolutely. And that's really the uncertainty in the market that's causing so much concern today. And there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of emotion that comes along with that as well. And I, I think that that has a lot to do with you know, consumer individual habits. When you see your savings reduced by 50%, you, you stop buying, you start saving, you stop going on vacation. You stop. You know. You, you pretty much slim down to the necessities of life, and that obviously impacts other other areas of the economy as well, huh? Absolutely. Yeah. And we see that today. Many, even with businesses, and this is an interesting phenomenon. Take banks, for example. In this economy, even banks are saving their money. Yeah, that's crazy. They're not loaning it. <laughs> They're waiting to see what's going to happen. They're looking for certainty to 
know what to do next. And obviously, we see a lot of layoffs. You know, we had six hundred fifty thousand people laid off in the in the month of February. Um, you know, we see a lot of companies cutting back, and also, you know, I've read a lot of articles where some of the biggest companies have stopped matching four hundred one k's or matching retirement plans, which has also discouraged a lot of individuals. Because here, you know, they lose fifty percent of their savings, and then the batch that they received from their employees completely uh, employer is completely gone. Sure. And so consumer behavior, whether you're talking about the consumer as a business or the consumer as an individual, lags the reality. So this problem that we're facing started over a year ago, but most people didn't really change their habits or start changing their habits for, in many cases, a year or more. Uh, same thing will be true when the recovery comes. Yeah. When when the market starts to turn around, people will be so conditioned in their current mode of thought mm-hmm. that they will not begin to participate until they until everyone moves together. And yeah. so most of the average people out there are going to miss both the benefit to get out early enough or to get in early enough. Yeah. And that's part of the problem of market timing if you are invested in this market. Yeah, looking at the depression, I mean, if World War II didn't happen, think of how long the depression could have lasted. Because again, you had some big, huge downturn in the economy, and it was so drastic that it kind of had a ripple effect through that decade, sure. right? And just the mentality of you know living in poverty, and you know it's uh, it lasted for quite a while because of the fear factor. Well, that's true, and and that isn't to try and associate it with our current situation. No, no, that no, it, no. It, You know, we're a much more robust and interrelated economy worldwide. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we're going to need a war to get us out of this. That's really no. not the point of this. <laughs> Hopefully, but, <clears throat> but I think it does say, what's the alternative? Yep. If is there any way to hedge against these kinds of events? changing your lifestyle so dramatically that you're really paralyzed. Mm -hmm. What options are there other than the traditional qualified plans? Yeah, because most people don't think that there are options. You know, I was uh, I was talking to uh, an individual that I know that you know uh, that that's a business affiliate of ours, and uh, she works for Aflac, and they have you know accounts everywhere. I mean, they have accounts throughout Idaho and Utah and and uh, and Colorado and you know throughout the West, and uh, and she's really on this on this kick, and it's 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 great to see because you know most individuals don't know that there is an alternative. So she goes to these companies, and uh, she was actually speaking to a city official, um, you know a couple of days ago and talking about the retirement plan and the city official, the head of city official didn't understand how a 401k worked. This was like the city This manager. is like the manager. And so think, you know, most individuals just don't, one, they don't understand the plan that they're in. And two, they don't understand that there are alternatives or or supplements or things to use in conjunction with the qualified plan. So we, we need to make sure that individuals know that there is uh, an option. You know, there are alternatives to the traditional retirement plan. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, that today. I know we've hinted at that in the last uh, couple of shows that we've done. Now we're going to, you know, hit the hit the ball uh, out of the park, hopefully, with with the alternative, how the alternative works. You know, and I'm sure it'll take a couple of a uh, couple of podcasts to do this. So let's let's kind of uh, let's kind of get into that. You know, the the money that people make, you earned it. You know, you've got your degree. You worked a long time for it. You earned the money that you received. Now, obviously, the the purpose of a retirement plan is to defer the compensation that you receive right now to some future time in which you're going to utilize it for retirement, right, or for your for your golden years, right? This is your money. Now, when you put when you take this money, right, which is you know which is very valuable to you because it's your blood, sweat, and tears, right? When you take this money and put it into a vehicle that supposedly is supposed to be safe, secure. 
secure earned interest and so forth and be you know be there when you need it you know in like the most people's typical retirement so plan. like the retirement plan right you you uh, you value that money but you're giving it to somebody that didn't necessarily earn that money you're giving it to a fund manager or a mutual fund or a slew of different of different companies right now looking at the idea of control when you give that money marv to uh, a mutual fund or give that money to a security to a fund manager what type of control do you have over that money not only do i have no control other than to say give it back <laughs> but that person is going to be compensated on my on my, on the use of my money whether he makes money or not that's a it. huge that's a huge point so even if he loses your money or loses a percentage of your money, he's still going to make money? That's exactly right. Wow, okay. He's going to take a management fee on all of the funds that are under his control, whether he wins or loses. Interesting. That's a big problem. I think that's a conflict of interest. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as I kind of was preparing for this, I thought back over uh, the last many years about things where I've made money and places where I've lost money. Mm -hmm. And uniformly... The places where I've made money are the places where I had the most direct personal control. The places where I've lost money are the places where I gave up the most control. Yeah. So along with you know along with giving your money to this manager, you you brought up a point where I, I kind of wanted to go a little bit more into detail. If you ask for that money back, not only do they penalize you for that, you have to pay income taxes on that. That's right. Right, and there's also some state, some in, depending on the state that you're in, there's some state penalties. So you have to pay. If you you put twelve thousand dollars into your four hundred one k in a given year, right, and you want some of that money back, they're going to charge you twelve hundred bucks for that money back. Plus, you're going to have to report whatever that distribution was on your income taxes. That's right. And in, in fact, if <clears throat> if I were to start life over again and I and I did not have any sense of ethics about me, I would want to be a mutual fund manager. <laughs> oh, you know, it's just you make money no matter what happens. Yeah. Win, lose, or draw, yeah. you make money off the client. And in fact, over historically, the places that have made the most money on mutual funds are the people who run them, not the people who have invested yeah. in them. I, I was reading an article about the Harvard Endowment Fund, and I think it lost like 34% last last year in 2008. And the fund managers made, you know, a, what's it, so six, seven, eight-figure income. How do you like that? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, there's something fundamentally wrong with that picture. Yeah. <laughs> now, that's a good example, though. Yeah. They, running their own business sure. of mutual fund, they, great, made plenty of money. Business. They had total control. They might have lost their job, but you right. know, they had $50 million. So I think that it's important for us to make a really clear distinction. Although we, we kind of get negative on these kinds of funds and securities sure. and, and qualified plans like 401ks that invest in them. Mm -hmm. They are really great investments if they are your business. Sure, absolutely. If your business is mutual funds, it's a great business. It just doesn't happen to be great for the investor. <laughs> and because of the restrictions as to how much money you can put in a 401k, mutual fund managers are not putting money in a 401k. There's a, I remember there's a guy that we talked with a while back, and he was in New York, uh, and he, he did a lot of life insurance for uh, Goldman Goldman Sachs fund managers, like just hundreds of millions of dollars into life insurance. But anyway, that's that's besides the point. But so let's uh, let's let's kind of talk about the the alternative. I think that once you recognize this is your money, you controlled the means by which you earned your money, and then once you have it, you give up all the control that you once had. Right, you put it with somebody that who knows what it's going to do. We've we've seen that retirement plans are extremely susceptible to loss. Right, they are exposed. They're they're naked in the wind, and it's cold wind. <laughs> it is today. 
<laughs> that's that's true. So let's let's kind of look at okay, how how do you get better control over the money? Now we've we talked a lot about economics. We talked a lot about macroeconomics. Now I kind of like to look at it as you know microeconomics versus macroeconomics. You're like a blinders on horses, right? So you have you put blinders on horses, and they can only see in one direction. They can't see in their periphery. But if you have macroeconomics, you're able to see absolutely everything, right? So microeconomically, people look at their return in their 401k and say, oh, great, my, you know, I earn 10% in my, in, in my fund, right? But if you look at macroeconomically, okay, what did it cost you to earn that 10%, right? And we've talked a lot about inflation. We've talked a lot about taxes. This is one thing going back to the city manager. He, he didn't know the tax implications of pulling money out on a 401k. He thought it was tax-free. Right, it is not tax-free. Right, when you pull pull money out of your 401k, you are going to pay income tax on every single dollar that you pull out. Now, right now, and I'm I'm not actually sure about this. Now, when a retiree pulls money out of a 401k, do they have to pay FICA and Medicare? No, no. Okay, that's right. That's what I thought, but wasn't sure. Could that change? <laughs> well, <laughs> anything can change. Anything can change. All right, so it is susceptible to to change. All right, so you know, basically, when you pull money out of that fund, you're uh, you're taxed. But when when do people typically pull money out of a four hundred one k? It's around sixty years old. Sure, when they right. retire. You got it. So right now, for individuals that are 30, 40, 50 years old, that's you know a couple of decades until they're able to touch that money. So macroeconomically, okay, what is it going to cost you to be able to pull out your contribution in thirty years? And what will it be? worth and what will be and what rate of tax are you going to be paying on it exactly right so we see there we've talked a lot about the eroding factors of money and what that money will be worth 20 30 40 years uh, down the road when you're pulling it out whether tax rates are going to be how much you know what what the inflation rate is going to be in those 30 years which will determine the value of the money at that period of time right so we've gone we've gone through all of that so how do we, how do we kind of avoid that how do we look at the supplementary or the alternative retirement plan that gives you more control well, as you know, there is only one alternative that provides the solutions to safety, rate of return, um, tax benefits, and so forth, and that's insurance. Yep. There is a lot of misunderstanding about insurance, and there's a lot of misuse of insurance for the purposes that we're trying to talk about. Now, if you're talking about pure insurance, which is just the death benefit that somebody's looking for, you've got lots of options. But if you're looking to use if you're looking for a great retirement alternative, there are ways to use the, the built-in benefits of insurance to create, without a doubt, the best alternative for retirement planning that exists on the planet. So, and and we kind of, we, and a lot of life insurance agents use this as, in my opinion, a deceptive tactic. Because they, life insurance that are selling expensive policies or what I consider uh, inefficient policies, um, they're saying, hey, banks and corporations buy all of this insurance. They buy, you know, they buy whole life, they buy universal life, they buy all of this insurance, but they don't tell them why they buy the insurance. They say, okay, this is, they buy insurance, therefore, you should buy insurance. Banks are smart, relatively speaking. Corporations are smart, relatively speaking. They're doing this. Why don't you do that, right? But when banks buy insurance, they buy it for various reasons, right? And they try to take advantage of all the characteristics that life insurance has has provided, right? So let's kind of talk about that. First off, when a, when a company or a bank 
purchases a life insurance policy on their employee in which they're the beneficiary, they're the owner, which means they're able to use all the cash value and they receive the death benefit when the employee dies. Let's talk about the characteristics of that policy. So let's say they put a million dollars into this policy. Okay. What does that million dollars do? Okay. One, that million dollars shows up in immediate cash value. So they put a million in. Now they have a million dollars in cash value. They also have, let's and, say... And cash value is money that is available to them to use absolutely. through a loan, mm -hmm. or which if they surrendered the policy, would be given back to them by the insurance company. Absolutely, right? So they would... They, yeah, so that's that's cash surrender value. Usable, liquid money, right? Million dollars in, available million dollars to use, okay? Now, also what comes along with that is a death benefit. Right now, that death benefit is paid to the beneficiary of the policy upon the death of the insured. Mm -hmm. Now, they could die 20, 30, 40 years in the future, but at that future date, the individual is going to be able to, you know, not the individual, but the bank or the corporation is going to be able to utilize uh, that that death benefit. So it's a great it's a great great leverage point, right? They pay a million, they get a million, and we're going to talk about what that million dollars in cash value does. But they pay a million, get a million, and then they get this huge death benefit down the road. <laughs> now here's the question that you have to ask yourself and it's the same one that the banks use. And this distinguishes the kind of insurance we're talking about from all others. Mm -hmm. If there were no death benefit associated with what we're talking about, would you still buy the policy? Would it still make sense to you? Absolutely. And that's the difference. Yeah. Most of the policies that we see people owning today, that is not true. They're buying it solely for the death benefit, mm -hmm. and they're not getting the advantage of all the other opportunities because yep. they're structured differently. They're not efficiently structured for retirement. And so what we're telling you is we have a policy program, which we call a, a private bank, that allows you to have so much benefit from putting this plan together that even if there were no death benefit at all, it would still make excellent economic and business sense to employ this strategy. Yep. So let's look at let's look at our financial plan. So our private plan, our banking banking policy. Let's talk about the characteristics of cash value, right? So as cash value is inside of these insurance policies, there's a principal protection guarantee, meaning million dollars is 100% protected. They can't lose they can't lose the million dollars unless the insurance company goes bankrupt. But then they have reinsurance companies that insure the insurers. It's it's crazy. It's it's crazy how life insurance companies work. But you know we we've said it in past shows that life insurance companies uh, there's been a, a there's been a handful of companies that have gone bankrupt, but there's never been a policy that has not lost money that uh, that has lost money or not paid a death claim. So it's safe. It's safe. Very. The safe. The guarantee that you get in a life insurance policy is as good a guarantee as you're going to get in this world. Absolutely. So basically now now looking at the principal being protected, I'm sure a lot of people would have been stoked if a 401k had that provision, but it obviously doesn't. Sure. Wouldn't it? be nice to know that no matter what, you're not going to lose value on your principal. Absolutely. Now let's talk about the interest crediting. Now with whole life insurance, right, you have the potential to earn a dividend. Now typically the dividend is uh, it, it's basically the, the profit uh, a life insurance company receives in a given year from their investment ventures. Also if they, you know, planned on paying out a certain amount of death benefit and were, uh, you know, were, were they over they uh, overestimated the amount of death benefit they had to pay? They'll take that money and they'll distribute it amongst their policy owners, right? And that interest is has some tax benefits as well, 
right? For for corporations, sometimes it's tax-free, sometimes it's tax-deferred, depending on the type of life insurance policy. The policies we sell, 100% tax-free growth, okay? For the individuals. For the individuals, okay? So basically, money inside of the policy, this million dollars that the bank has, they're going to earn interest on that money. And, you know, the average dividend is, you know, 6%. Sometimes banks put money into, uh, you know, policies that have more of an upside that's associated with an index or another type of fund and they and they might make you know six seven eight percent right but they're earning interest inside this policy so not only have they principal guarantee principal protection right they have an upside of earning interest now most of these policies have guaranteed interest which means regardless of the investment ventures of the insurance company regardless of what their dividend is you're going to get a guaranteed rate of return and those rates of return range from one to to four percent. I've I've even seen as high as as five percent, right? So that's a decent a decent interest rate, right? Your principal is protected, and you have you know an upside of a dividend, right, or a bonus, but also you have a guaranteed interest rate. Okay. Now that's good, and that's good enough by itself. But add to it these two things, and it's killer. The first is you're getting a death benefit virtually for free yep. in the bargain. Yep. Number one. Number two. You're now going to have access to that money, your cash value, to use in your own business. Now, I want to make a distinction here. Many people may be thinking, well, you're saying you want control over over your money. Aren't you giving up control of the money when you give it to the insurance company? And in most insurance policies, that would be true. But in a high cash value insurance policy, that money is right there available for you to use in your own business, which is your private bank inside this policy. And that's where we regain control of this asset, but we've layered on top of it these guarantees of no loss of principal, a guaranteed minimum interest rate of return, plus all of the terrific tax advantages yeah. that come with insurance. So let's let's match that up against a 401k. So a dollar that goes into a 401k, that dollar goes to a fund manager who you know dictates where that money goes. It goes to a mutual a mutual fund. It doesn't have a death benefit. Doesn't have principal guarantees. What else doesn't it have? Doesn't have liquidity, mm-hmm. right? It can go up and down as as easy. You know, it can go down as easily as it can go up. Right, and then you can't really access it until some future point in time, 10, 20, 30 years down the road. Right. Okay. Now let's look at a dollar going into a life insurance policy. So a dollar that goes into a life insurance policy, you're going to have a dollar in cash value. And look at the policies that we structure at at uh, you know going into the future and contributing to this plan. You could put a dollar into the policy, and you will have three dollars in guaranteed cash value. Right. So you've kind of tripled tripled your money. Now I'm not going to get into the. Specific, it's almost like matching. It's like, <laughs> yeah, almost. <laughs> right. So it's you know it, you look at the schedule of cash value and yeah there's going to be a time in the policy where you put a dollar in you get three dollars in cash value for right? every every additional dollar for every additional dollar that you put in right you also have um you have a death benefit that comes along with it which hands down is the most efficient way to transfer wealth right um you also and have when you say transfer wealth you're talking about transferring wealth without suffering the uh, the government's hand dipping into your pocket. Yeah, with life insurance, it circumvents probate, doesn't go to probate courts, it goes right to the beneficiary. And you can structure the policy so that there's absolutely no taxes paid, no estate tax, no death tax. Right now, it's obviously more complications to it, but you know that's that's the uh, you know purpose of our curriculum is to explain to individuals, okay, 
you're, you're unique and you're unique to every other individual that we deal with. Here's how to structure a plan, um, you know, unique to you or specific to you, right? And that's, and that's what we go through in our curriculum, right? So for, so for those of you who would like to speak with us in regards to that, uh, you know, we'll give our contact information at the end of the podcast. So let's, you know, a dollar going into a, a life insurance policy, the high cash value max funded life insurance policies, it does multiple things. Right, it basically takes the money that you earned. Right, it's your degree, your education, your blood, sweat, and tears earned this dollar. Now you're going to put it into a vehicle, right, that has all of these different benefits. We haven't even talked about the use of the cash value, which we're going to get to in just a second. But you have all these different benefits associated with that dollar. That dollar becomes guaranteed cash value. That dollar has the potential to earn a dividend. That dollar has a guaranteed interest rate. That dollar comes along with a death benefit, right? So you have all these different benefits that come along with the dollar. The dollar kind of multiplies itself. Now, there are people out there who are thinking, all right, so I've got this money in here. I've got all these benefits, and I now have my own private business, which is my private bank. But what do I do with the money? Don't I have to invest this? Yep. So let's and, and aren't I right back where I started? Don't I have to put that into a mutual fund? Where am I going to put it? Absolutely not. You know, so again, going back to, to control, right? You want to take the money that's completely liquid inside of this high cash value private bank or private retirement fund, and you want to make it productive. Right? You want to have as much control as possible. So let's kind of talk about the very elementary strategy as far as the control factor. Right. So again, going back to microeconomics versus macro, your blinders on, your blinders off. Right. So blinders on, your your money is earning interest inside of this inside of this private plan. And let's say it's earning, you know, a six percent interest. And this could be in your 401k as well. Most individuals today do not properly manage their finances, and unfortunately, they have a lot of debt, right? And they finance pretty much everything. This is kind of like the, you know, it's it's uh, the American it's, it's way. The Ameri- it's the American way, right? You want it right now at whatever cost, <laughs> right? And a lot of companies prey on this: the zero percent interest, you know, the six months no interest, six months no payments, twelve. You know, they they kind of get you into these things, thinking that there's going to be some free lunch, which there's ultimately not, right? So basically. Interest expense is a huge factor that erodes the gains of anybody's financial plan, right? And we give the we give the uh, an analysis of a fifty thousand dollar retirement plan, four hundred one k, that's earning ten percent a year. And wouldn't you like to be on the earning side of that interest game, like the banks? Absolutely, because ba- yeah, because yeah, and that's and that's the beauty of that's this. The beauty. Is this is your private bank, and so what are you going to do? You're going to do what banks do. You're going to loan the money. Now, if you had to loan this money out, who's the one person that you could loan it to that you would have the most confidence would care about the money as much as you do? That's a good point. It would be you, obviously. It would be you. Yeah, you're going to loan the money to yourself. How do you do that? Mm-hmm. So basically, you know, and and the common ways in which you're going to loan it to yourself. Let's just look at vehicles, right? Most people finance vehicles these days like cars like trucks like cars rvs trucks motorcycles you know etc you go to a typically you go to a bank you get a loan and you pay the bank interest and payments on a monthly basis so xing those financial institutions out of the out of the equation let's look at your own private bank and lending money to yourself so you would take whatever the car costs let's say it costs twenty thousand dollars you take twenty thousand dollars out of your private bank your private retirement account and you would set up a payment plan at the interest you were willing to pay to this financial institution let's say for twenty thousand dollars it was six you know five hundred dollars a month you would set up a payment plan that every single month money would be withdrawn from your checking account and it would go to your private bank. So you're paying yourself. You're paying yourself Back interest. Back the principal and the interest. You got it. 
right? And doing that, you're, it's a, you know, a couple of things are happening, okay? First thing is happening is you're avoiding any interest that you were going to pay to this bank, right? And you're recouping that cost, right? And macroeconomically, that's a, that erodes from your total gain of your total, you know, your personal economy, right? So you, you kind of eliminate that from, uh, eliminate that from the equation, eliminate that interest expense. So if you've avoided an 8% interest cost, what is your rate of return? 8%. 8%. And if, let's say, you were borrowing money at 12% and you now avoid that interest cost to someone else because you're paying it to yourself, mm. what is your rate of return? 12%. Wouldn't you like to have a rate of return of 12% on your money yeah. from someone who is as reliable a borrower as you are? Yeah. And here's and here's the thing. Because of all this interest you're avoiding, you're going to be much further ahead than if you did things the traditional way, financed everything yourself, and did the cookie-cutter retirement plan. What about credit card debt that you might be paying an average of 18% on? Yeah, I mean, and the average credit card balance these days is over $10,000. And 18% on $10,000, that's a lot of money. So if we used our private banking money to finance what we would have been financing through credit cards at 18%, what is our effective rate of return on that money? 18, I mean, eight, that's 18%. A huge, that's, that's a, a huge, great rate of return. It isn't. Yeah. And so now looking at what people use credit cards for, yeah, there are the... There are the individuals that are, you know, using credit cards for everything. But then you have individuals that, you know, use it for emergencies. They might have had their washer and dryer break, or they might have had a plumbing problem, or, or they their might have children had, might have needed. Or a they lung. needed braces, or they had some medical deductible that they needed. You know, whatever the case may be, they might have used credit cards for those necessary purposes. But if you understand the principles of banking and you're able to have this liquid private banking retirement plan, then you can obviously finance whatever the credit cards were going to be used for. So let's just kind of review here. Initially, we said we don't want to talk about any kind of an insurance product that doesn't make sense if the death benefit were eliminated. Mm -hmm. And so we decided if all we did was take the money and put it in a high cash value policy and didn't do anything else, mm -hmm. it would still be a wise economic decision, especially compared to what we see in the market today. Absolutely. But now you're saying if we take that money that is accumulating inside the policy and which we can continue to accumulate tax-free and we operate it like our own bank and we loan it essentially to ourselves to avoid the financing that we're currently uh, paying on other things in our lives, we've added that additional benefit of, of revenue gain, and we're making 8, 10, 12, maybe as high as 18% on our money through avoiding having to pay that on other things we finance. You got it. This is a good deal. Yeah, and, and again, this is not the life insurance in a vacuum question. This isn't the you know, you, you look at life insurance for what it is. This is utilizing life insurance as a tool and utilizing the inherent benefits that it has tax-wise because no other vehicle has the same tax benefits as life insurance. And that's why we use the life insurance just because it is, you know, it's a, it's a legal laundering system. So the death benefit is really just a bonus. Yeah. <laughs> it's just something you throw in on top. Yep. So this is, you know, this is for the average family. The individuals that are that may not be sophisticated in investing or real estate investing or business ownership, right? And this is great for them. However, this is also perfectly relevant to the entrepreneur, to the sophisticated investor. And I know that there are a lot of people that listen to our podcast that are in this, you know, in this category. So you're saying that after they've taken care of their personal debt, they would now use this money inside their personal bank to finance their business assets. Absolutely. 
unbelievable. Instead of using using a uh, traditional bank, and you're able to recoup that cost, and also you have some of the tax benefits that comes along with borrowing. And you've sheltered it all from tax. Absolutely. So this is just another piece to an investing puzzle. So if let's say you have a successful real estate investor, or let's say you have a, you know a successful business owner, this is a great way to. Add one additional step to your process, but be all the more profitable because what you're doing is you're you're adding death benefits, you're adding cash value, and again, it's you know you're avoiding you're avoiding interest, right? But also, if you look at how cash value generates inside of an insurance policy, once you get it to a certain point, it's a cash cow. It really is. It just throws off money. Yeah, it's inc- it's incredible to look at dividends and and what's cool is that you know life insurance companies are really conservative. <laughs> They're really conservative in their investing, right? And they they spec not in their investing in their portraying of uh, you know life insurance cash value, and and dividends. And so typically on a whole life insurance policy, you know they're not saying okay we're going to earn eight percent a year, nine percent a year. You know the typical illustrations show five percent a year, right, in dividends. And looking at how much cash that generates throughout the lifetime of the policy is pretty profound. Very but the first, you know, the first, you know, the first years of a policy are really the most important. So implementing the banking strategy as soon as possible is uh, is within an individual's benefit. And also when they have, um, you know, all of these different ways in which they can offset opportunity costs with interest and so forth, you know, there's there's no better time to start than right now. So for a person who's either looking to protect their human life interest with insurance, mm-hmm. or somebody who's just looking for an alternative. Uh, for their retirement funds, they really need to look at this as an alternative as they compare it to whatever else they're doing before they make a decision, shouldn't they? Absolutely. Right. Well, we uh, we would encourage them to give us a call and let us do an example for you and show you a mock-up of how this could be different for you. Yep. We. I mean, I think that one of our one of our fortes is we we think that and we've seen we've experienced this by ourselves. We've seen people make uneducated decisions when it's come to their financing. It's based on you know expectations or is based on you know the herd effect. Everybody else is investing here, so I probably should as well, without really understanding what the implications of that investment is. And so we're really big on education. We're really big on okay, this is how it works. This is why it benefits you. And ultimately, the decision is going to be yours. And we hope that you, throughout all of our educational curriculum, make an educated decision. Right. And that's and that's kind of the that's the bottom line. So for those of you who are who are interested uh, in meeting with us or more information, whether it's our article or past webinars that we've done, we have a lot of different resources uh, that we can mail out to you. Please give us a call at 800-870-8905. Or you can just simply email us at info at theinvestorsparadigm.com. So again, that's 800-870-8905 and info at theinvestorsparadigm.com. And paradigm spelled P-A-R-A-D-I-G-M. All right, everybody. Thanks uh, thanks for listening this week. Uh, Next week, we'll be back with some juicy information about how you can survive this tumultuous economy. This is Patrick Donahoe and Marv Curtis. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you later. That took us a while to get to the point, but it was good. Yeah.